Welcome today to the Learning with Lowell podcast. Every Tuesday, we will have new episodes. Like clockwork, you can look forward to anything regarding science, startups, scientists, you name it. We're going to have it every Tuesday. Thursdays, we'll usually have a YouTube video because I record these both in audio and video formats now. And keep your eyes peeled for a live stream coming up next month in March. Just want to let you all know that we're trying new things. Remember to subscribe, let people know, and let's get into today's show and who's joined us today. Today we're joined by Isha, the Executive Director of New Harvest. New Harvest is about building out cellular agriculture, which is this way of growing meat without animals. And if this sounds familiar, New Harvest, it's because Kate, a really amazing person, was on this on this podcast last year. Between her and Isha, they're just some of the most fantastic people, so I'm glad that she took the time to talk with me. Other than being the executive director for New Harvest, she is a director's fellow at MIT Media Lab, a Shuttleworth Foundation fellow at Shuttleworth Foundation, co-founder of Clara Foods, co-founder of Perfect Day. She's done quite a lot, so this is a great episode to get a sense of who she is and see what type of things she struggles with and shows you a bit of her passion as well. So let's get into this. I was li- I was listening to uh, one of your talks recently. It was it was set for back in 2015, and you were saying that in that time that cell say cell agriculture had only like I think 20 scientists, if if my memory is serving. And so I'm wondering, just as like like the preface for everything we're about to talk about, what was the, what did the industry look like in 2015 for people who are listening? There was there's 20 scientists working on this. What else was it looking like? Because it's been like yeah. four four years. Yeah, so when I started it was actually 2013, and I'm sure the talk was a couple of years later. And, you know, the 20 scientists was probably an overestimate at the time, too. But it was trying to, to guess, like, how many people in the world actually could dedicate their livelihoods, you know, full time to producing food from cells. And it really wasn't that many. And I have to say, in, in 2013, it was a little bit of a... Um, you know, existential crisis when I walked away from my laptop because I was like, well, does this idea actually still live if we're not kind of plowing away on it? So today, today, so recently my intern put together, you know, a number that he gleaned from LinkedIn of how many people were full-time in Selag, and I think he came up with 170 people. Wow. So it's definitely grown a lot in the past five years. And it's like enormous. And also, I mean, not only were there not very many people, there was also very few dollars dedicated to this research. There was also not a lot in terms of academic publications on the topic. So it was, it was pretty much a concept and an idea at that time. And that was about it. Are you, are you guys aware, are you aware how much your efforts and new harvest efforts have contributed to that? Like, like five, it's a huge percent increase in scientists and and, uh, and dollars going in this, in, in this direction. Are you aware um, of like how big of the impact is or is it just like, it's I probably mean, a big one. It's hard to decide how much of that impact came from New Harvest and not kind mm-hmm. of a, a whole bunch of environmental things. But I would say we've definitely been um, influential in terms of planting the seeds for this field. And the reason why I feel comfortable saying that is, you know, we are one of the first groups to fund research in this space. We're one of the first groups to foster um, startups in this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our New Harvest folks, whether they be board members or interns or community members, have gone on to start companies. And of course, they have their own 
proliferative capacity to hire more people. So I would, you know, coming up with the hard and fast numbers for what we've done is not easy, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, stories that suggest that New Harvest has been at the beginning of a lot of these upward curves. Mm-hmm. I would, I would think just, a, I think we were, I mentioned this yesterday when we were talking that whenever I talk to someone about, you know, cell agriculture, New Harvest is usually the second thing that gets brought up. So that's so cool. So I feel like t- to some extent, it's gotta be a pretty strong relationship. If you, you, you don't even get like the full seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, you just get like, right, one degree. right. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. And also the other, the other thing is New Harvest was around in 2004. So even before I had anything to do with it. So for many years, it was kind of the only name out there talking about cultured meat stuff. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think that that's awesome and excellent. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Uh, I think the, the, the technology is incredible in terms of giving people a sense of ownership of what they make. Like the idea of, like everyone knows like a microbrewery that's like, in a, like a, any, I think most towns have like a little microbrewery. If you're in a big city, there's probably hundreds of microbreweries. And so you can have the same thing with like clean meat. Or I saw agriculture where you could go down and like get something that was made right there, which I think is it's awesome. Like before, you'd be like have this huge disconnect between what you eat and like where it's made. Like you could get a be eating a burger that was made in you know Texas, but you're right. in like New York. Like and I think that that disconnect itself is actually pretty new. And the idea that you would, um, you know, cons- be consuming milk from a cow that you actually knew is only a couple generations away and not actually that far away. So it's amazing. It's amazing that that disconnect has formed and we're already ready to kind of explore a new relationship with food. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it hasn't been that long, really that supply chains have become so efficient that eating a, a banana from Ecuador is like an efficient thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, I would think a few years ago I was watching, it was animated. So I don't know how accurate the data was, Mm-hmm. They were saying that it's cheaper to buy a new spoon to eat us like eat something than to clean a spoon. Like that's how oh, efficient no. the supply lines were. So it's like, oh, that's uh, that's weird. You mean a metal spoon? Yeah, like wow. so it, it's like cheaper. It was either a metal or a plastic spoon. I'm sure like it's very divergent in uh, okay. how you think about it. But just the idea that it's cheaper to to just buy a new one than clean it, like through the washer or whatever it is. So the, the Dishwasher, yeah, they're called those things. Sometimes right. I call them dryers. <laughs> I'm not very good with names, but or washing machine. There you go. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are they? Is it not called a washing? I don't think it is called a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. But um, so it's 2019. I'm curious, like, where do you want things to go? And you're like, if you could have like any future, you look like five years in the future. You have like a little window. You can you can see anything in existence. What do you hope through your efforts and through like Kate's and everyone on the team's efforts to see in that world? Um, what I would like to see, so five, do you say five years into the future? Yeah, four to five. You could just pick any number if you want. You can reframe yeah. it. Well, five, you know, what I'd like to see if, you know, we've had so much growth in the past five years, I'd like to just see that continue and if not accelerate so that, um, Ideally, if you're an undergrad student, you could pursue a degree in cellular agriculture and that there would be a lot of labs where you could go to study how to produce food from cells. And there'd be a lot of job opportunities where how you could produce those foods. And I think that there's a lot of capacity in this industry um, 
to become the next big food industry and next big food technology. And we just haven't seen much infrastructure built around it in the same way we've been seeing infrastructure built around, you know, other fields of research. So that's something that I would absolutely love to see. I'd also love to see products on the market because I think that that really inspires people to enter the field, you know, even when you're a high school student or even earlier, where you, when you see these new products, you think, wow, this is possible. And you start really opening your mind as to what, what more can be done in the future. So a combination of products and, you know, a real academic push that is supported by government um, is something that I'd really love to see in the next five years. In terms of government support, you mean like uh, subsidy, subsidies for research? Like what's done with like corn? and? Well, I, I would say like government grants in terms of like established means of winning money for this research, whether... You know, right now, the big funders are NIH, NSF, USDA. None of those fall specifically into the idea of growing food from cells. Um, I'd love to see one of them either take ownership of cellular agriculture, as this is the thing we advance. Perhaps it's the USDA, perhaps it's the NSF, um, perhaps it's the NIH, or kind of a reconfiguration of the funding agencies such that cellular agriculture definitely has um, a home with one of the funding agencies. Is there anything that either you or others are doing to, I know you were at the USDA speaking a, a little bit ago, or is there any trending in that direction? Like, do you see like movements or people trying to get together to make that happen? And like, you can see it like working or is it like right now you're like, well, I wish it would happen and then maybe it needs a lot more work. I think, I think it's on the horizon. I don't know how long it takes, but um, we've seen other countries like Israel and Japan dedicate more government funds to this kind of idea. Um, the Netherlands did quite a long time ago. And, the, and New Zealand has too, which and kind of the thing that all those countries have in common is they're quite small. And of course, wanting to be independent and able to produce food on their small piece of land makes a lot of sense. I don't know, that specific type of pressure does not exist in the United States, but I think because so many companies are based in the U.S., um, you know, people start paying attention and start believing that, you know, this is a real endeavor and perhaps uh, government-backed support can do a lot to accelerate it forward and, and make any individual com country a leader in the space. Have you, has there been any thought given to making, like trying to pitch to like a state and be like, hey, you know, like in Illinois, it's called Land of Lincoln. It could be great if it was like Land of Selag and they were like the... <laughs> Like maybe like a local level, it would be a good start. And then the yeah, I think I think there definitely have been efforts out there. That's not really New Harvest Wheelhouse. We're more focusing on the uh, research side of things, but I think there are definitely states out there that are really well suited to position themselves in this area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could easily happen. Yeah, I hope so, especially Illinois, because it's my home state, and I, like <laughs> I feel like they're well situated for it. The one question I, I know I definitely wanted to learn more about, like what you do in terms of like new harvest. How do you like you got a master's degree in biotechnology, a, a bachelor's degree in molecular biology, I think. So like yeah. how like the, and you're like many I wouldn't say many years past college, but like you're you're more than two years past college. Like oh, yeah. how do you I think there's like a, a quote where it says like when you're by the time you're done with school like medical professionals, by the time they're done with school, like the textbooks have to be rewritten. Like it's like, <laughs> like they're out of date. 
So I'm, I'm wondering how, what are some of the ways that you stay current so you can always have the biggest impact in the areas that you want to have the biggest impact in? That's a great question. So first of all, I would say, um, even though I did a science background, my day-to-day work is not so much science oriented. And I think it's definitely an asset that I'm science literate, but you know, people, Kate, for example, is definitely doing the heavy lifting on the science part of New Harvest and she's really accelerating the program. And and that's because, you know, we are able to grow into a research organization because of her. And so a lot of my work now has shifted more to fundraising, talking about this work, bringing people on board with the science who maybe don't have a science background, but believe a lot in food technology or believe that the food system needs to be changed. And for those kind of conversations and that kind of work, the, the amount of science I know is manageable and helpful because it's not, you know, it's still accessible to Mm -hmm. the general public. Um, In terms of staying up to date, I mean, so much related to CELAG now is kind of conversational and word of mouth because everything is so new. So I'd say the best way that I keep up with what's going on is just maintaining a lot of contacts (laughs) and uh, kind of catching up with people, uh, Mm -hmm. sharing what's going on, connecting with people over the phone, et cetera. It, it doesn't sound like research, um, but even research is a little bit delayed and the word of mouth stuff is kind of a great way to keep on top of what's going on in cellular agriculture. It probably helps when you can just like walk down the down the road or down the office and like poke Kate and be like, hey, what, what's going on today? Like oh yeah, like that. oh, she is a wealth of knowledge, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, is there... I was, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but is there like one type of thing that like in the future you hope cell ag will be able to develop? Like, is there like, I know there's like finless foods is making, um, you know, finless foods yes. <laughs> and you have all these other people. <laughs> is there one in particular that you look, are excited to enjoy? I know, um, this is like, I'm referencing a lot of like the same video I think right now in my head, but you, when you were in, in college, I think, or in your hometown, I think maybe I did too much research for this episode, but you said you did uh, you <laughs> ate, like steak tartare every day. So like my yeah. guess would be that maybe you want to have like sell egg version of steak tartare, but like, what would be like, like <laughs> the dream? Like you get, everyone comes together who helped develop the industry and you guys like have that meal and like, you get to pick like one of the dishes, like what would the dish be? Um, I think the dish that I would have to see to be most impressed is like a marbled steak only because after years of being into this field, that's a thing that I understand is one of the hardest things to replicate is like a 3d piece of tissue that has multiple tissues involved and can adequately replicate that tissue, that, that kind of complex tissue set of tissues from an animal. And I, I would consider seeing a product like that to be the, you know, the result of many, many people's efforts over many years. And I think that would be really a group, a group effort and a group celebration to, to enjoy something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the near term, I mean, I'm really excited about the idea of trying Perfect Day's uh, dairy products because they were kind of the first, that was the first Celag product I ever got to taste was a a very very early prototype that you could produce milk without a cow and I think that 
interacting with that prototype just was so incredibly inspirational that seeing that come to life would be a, a real kind of personal mm -hmm. awesome experience sounds like it but yeah. um i mean looking back i guess this is one of the looking back questions that i i skipped over when we we're talking about like how you got to 2019 mm -hmm. were, were there were there any like watershed moments or or inspirational moments where like now you have a big emotional attached to them since you were able to be in like the early stages of it so like like perfect day is an example of like you were at the like prototype number one yes now if it was perfect you'd be like oh it's really great <laughs> but like looking oh, back yeah, yeah. Proto uh, perfect day for sure because that was like the you know that was one year into my stint well i'm not a continuing stint with new harvest um and just being so impatient about wanting to get some real science that actually existed in the world instead of just talking about theory and um, how cool it would be if all these things existed so coming together with the perfect day team is definitely you know a huge part of my you know motivational memories um, another is coming together with the Clara Foods team, which happened not too many months later, um, because, you know, once you start thinking about making milk proteins in cell culture, you're like, well, what other proteins do we eat? And egg proteins was made so much sense. And I thought the, the business case for egg proteins was so different from milk proteins. And I, I kind of thought about agriculture in a different way, thanks to that experience. So that's another one. Um, uh, what else there's actually been so many inspirational moments well so there was one when um so back back in 2013 all we would talk about is cultured meat and the idea of milk kind of came up separately and so we realized pretty early that it isn't just about cultured meat it actually is a whole new field of research a whole new everything and so in 2015 i started a little facebook thread that said what would we call this field if there was a an institute at a university that you could study this like what would it be called and it, it was a great kind of community back and forth of various people in the facebook group and the idea of cellular agriculture came up and it was kind of like plus one that can be shortened to cell egg and that rolls off the tongue pretty well and you know still some people tell me it's not perfect and i'm sure it you know i agree that it's not perfect but because i have such a heartwarming story around the community kind of coming together and, and brainstorming around that um, it's really rewarding to hear people use that term and to see it in print and kind of see it live on its own out there. I, the other day, someone was like, did New Harvest come up with cellular agriculture? And you know, I, I Googled it to see how many hits it came up with. And it was like many, many millions. And that was just like, whoa, that was not that long ago. That was only 2015. <laughs> it's kind of like the butterfly effect a little bit. Yeah. From one, yeah. From one Facebook post. Like cause exactly, <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, well, and also it, it demonstrated that there was a need to describe mm -hmm. this field, like that producing food from cells was not just about meat; it was actually a huge idea that could happen for many different products, and could happen for products that we don't even know yet. Yeah, if, I feel like it feels pretty perfect, and, and like grabbing people's attention, and like being also pretty descriptive at the same time. Like yes. It, it kind of like, like if someone's like, what's cellular culture? It's like, well, it's cellular culture. <laughs> like <the name> kind of <laughs> describes it. But uh, looking back and even now, at, like right now, are there like big, like, like 
I, I wrote it down as like big pain points, but I don't, I don't think we would, maybe you'd consider them as pain points where like there are ways that people in the community, maybe someone listening in could like be like, Hey, I know how to solve that problem and like send you an email on how to solve it. But like, is there anything that is a struggle ongoing right now that you would like help with or that you are currently working on? Um, well, I mean, we're a nonprofit organization, so we're always raising money. And so it's not a pain point because it's what we have to do as a nonprofit organization, but it's something where it would be great if fundraising was not so much of a thing we had to think about so that we could focus on how to really execute on supporting research better. Um, Cause it, you know, research is a very long-term thing and fundraising a nonprofit science funding organization when you don't have a huge benefactor and you're like not a, you know, a wealthy person on your own. I mean, a lot of people don't start science foundations unless they come from a very wealthy family kind of thing. Um, that's a kind of a big, big job to take on. So that is one thing that I wouldn't say is a pain point because I don't want to complain about it because it's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, but if it was something that we didn't have to think about so much, I think we could really do a lot better work. And especially if we could rely on long-term funding support we would be able to dive into some more kind of daring research yeah, the are you familiar with herford herford's international i think it's what it's called herford international there's mm -hmm. a there's a well i think of it because there's a author i enjoy named patrick rothfuss who wrote the name of the wind and a wise man it's called the king killer series it's a fantasy series and cool. um he's read the third book but only on his own time please don't burn me up but the, <laughs> it's like game game of thrones length in uh time but he does this like yearly charity run for Herford International where he gets like a bunch of fantasy authors to donate stuff essentially and people can like put money in and then they can mm. like win stuff at the same time. But like that one usually does pretty well because it's like it's like fun. Yeah. So, like everyone, I mean, granted the people organizing probably are pretty stressed out during the event because it's like a <laughs> two week period, which seems to tighten it up. But that would be maybe an example of how, how to, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I'll, I'll send you a link about it. But I think- cool. If that's a pain point, like maybe they, they seem to have a good handle on it, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, anyone out there who likes a charity run out there that does it really well should send suggestions over to make it easier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Generate some ideas for us. But, yeah, um, great idea. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, when you, you mentioned that you're trying to bring people onto the board or like onto the team, is there like a dream person that you've been wanting to get or that would be great to have on the team that you haven't had yet or that isn't on the team yet? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, for me, the most rewarding part of this work is that New Harvest is kind of a stepping stone for people to become big folks in the industry. And so I actually really like working with people who are starting out their careers or are really excited about it and see a future for themselves in the space using New Harvest as a way to get into it. Um, so I actually... I don't know if I've ever dreamed about specific individuals that uh, would be a dream to work with. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I need to think about that a little bit more. Okay. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. I assume you. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm always curious about learning what people do when they take like the business, the nonprofit hat off, I guess in your case. Um, is there something that you're not good at right now that you're working to get good at to like humanize you and not make you seem all impressive 
Like right now I'm trying to learn the violin. I'm not very good at it. That's been oh. going for a while. Um, well, I'm just, I'm learning how to manage people. That's something that I don't know anything how to do. And, um, you know, I, I'm so used to kind of being an entity, uh, that working with a team is incredibly rewarding, but I need to, you know, be better at, at doing that. And it's a, a definitely there's a learning curve there, but my team has been so helpful in like helping me move along that way. And, uh, being kind of vocal about what I can improve on, but also receptive to when changes happen. So it it feels like a really fruitful and awesome endeavor, but it's definitely something that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Is there like, a, is there a way you're working on it? Are you like reading like a bunch of how to manage people books or like, how do you work <laughs> on something like that? Um. I think it's about just opening up a feedback cycle. I also have been reading some books, but you know, our team is really small, so it's not always the same as reading a management book that some manager, like a gigantic company, that's, it's not really the same experience. Um, Mm. So it's good to read still and good as reference. And there's a lot to pull from it. But um, I think with a small team, the personalities come out a lot more than the idea of just like, x number of people so really communicating among the team has been the best way like the most productive method so far if you like a feedback system you might enjoy the book principles by ray dahlia dahlia it's he basically talks about how he he was still successful without a principle of like review Uh but he with the principle review he became like a billionaire so i feel like the process (laughs) he talks about is kind of nice interesting uh disclaimer will not make you a billionaire (laughs) (laughs) not necessarily yeah that's though it could be a fringe benefit (laughs) i need to work on my handwriting is the all right so this is um like a resource question what are like if you had if you like so someone listening is probably someone who's not heard of cellular culture though if they haven't they should check out kate's episode that uh i'll link in the description as well but are there other great ways to learn about say agriculture from like a novice's standpoint to like, just like new to the field to like someone who's maybe very science literate and wants to like dig into the meat and potatoes of it? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would encourage anyone who's interested in the field who doesn't have a bio background to actually take an intro bio class. I feel like um, just having familiarity with, you know, how proteins are made and how tissue, you know, what tissue is made of and what a cell is and so on can really bring to light all these problems because they're or not, not problems, but all these cellular agriculture solutions because they're not actually very complicated in theory. Um, and having that basic understanding kind of can open your imagination up a little bit more once you hear about how these products are made. Um, for people who are very well advanced, I mean, following what's going on with tissue engineering and you know there's there's advancements going on in that space and then kind of extrapolating from there how those advancements could be different if we were just focused on scaling up kind of edible tissue rather than functional in you know in the human body sense and instead functional in the food science way uh i think there's a lot there but i mean nothing nothing is better than listening to Kate's podcast or speaking to a scientist in the field because really they're, they're at the cutting edge of what's going on is, you know, the actual people on the ground doing the work. 
I think if you, I think there's a, the current system is set up where if, if someone donates a, a little bit to the cause, like they get like the update letters, which are really good. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe for people listening who would like to be supportive of a, an amazing <laughs> organization and learn at the same time to donate, which will also yeah. be a link in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the, I think right now uh, the, the, it's being ran where the, essentially your money doubles because a person has been generous and is matching donations up to a certain point. Yes. Yeah. So if you do donate, donate now, it's like if you donate $2, it's like $4. So exactly. if you donate $20, that's like $40. So it's really cool. <laughs> uh, the, um, I, I need to get my girlfriend to donate. But the, yeah. So for anyone who likes that, I think that's a good update question. Like how do you stay like current? Like earlier you were saying talk to people. Um, if you're really busy or antisocial, I suppose you can, you can read the, the updates. Yes. Uh, well, you're all, you're kind of doing my, um, what I should have said, which is the best way to keep, stay updated is keep updated with new harvest. I mean, yeah. our newsletter, uh, we started a new thing just last week of a collaborative Twitter where we rotate the Twitter account amongst various people in the new harvest community to get a little perspective of what's going on. And, you know, a lot of those people are the laboratory scientists that we're supporting. So, you know, that's an example of how do you get in touch with someone in the field where you can follow the New Harvest Twitter. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I noticed that. That's uh, the, I love that type of thing. I think Ginkgo Bioworks does a similar thing where they have like a random person answering questions. I love that. We definitely took that from Ginkgo. I emailed Ginkgo and said, how do you do this thing? And can we do it too? And they're like, oh yeah, for sure. Here's how we do it. And uh, we were inspired by the country of Sweden that does it. So um, there are a few great accounts that do that. But we were definitely inspired by Ginkgo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have it, to give them a shout out. Yeah. Is it hard to do? Like, isn't it, you just kind of like give access? This may be a more technical than people uh, want to know. Well, but I mean, gonna... we only started a few days ago. So I haven't figured out if it's hard yet. <laughs> yeah. But so far, it was just here's the password. Yeah. And uh, do what you want to do. Yeah. Don't break anything. The, yes. don't don't tweet anything like elon musk and yes. get himself in trouble which which is funny that a tweet can do that but yeah for, for people who are looking to stay up to date i think this is a good like i'll take your specific advice and make a broad at the same time mm-hmm. um it's for some whatever reason twitter seems to be where the scientists are going and you can actually learn a lot like there's a lot of scientists yeah. that will like like phds will talk about their research and have long threads about like why the white chromosome might be falling off and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really exciting, but you, you won't, you won't really hear about it. And anyone can type a, a you know, most people can type and uh, send some out and they'll, they're actually really nice. Like most people, I feel like there's like a fear where if they ask a question, people will be like, that's stupid. Don't ask that question. But in my experience, like 90, I'd say 99.9, just like germs. Like I won't like say we kill all of them off, but like most people are actually quite nice. If, if you ask a, like I a think flight. so. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. Yeah. But you got to be like, you got to keep that like 0.01% for like legal problems. I think like <laughs> uses may vary, but right. in general, like scientists are always a lot like really kind people. And so if there's a question you've always wanted to ask either about cell or something like that, you now know where to go to the new exactly. harvest uh, Twitter. And then, all right. So <laughs> that was like a really funny plug. The, uh, <laughs> So one one question I definitely know I, I wanted to ask, and then I'll, I'll look at my notes to make sure I didn't forget anything. But um, what is what is something that you wonder about that you don't have the answer to that you wish you had the answer to that maybe someone in this you know listening in could answer? Mine, as I, I think I told you, is so like if the Big Bang is has a causational relationship with us existing now, 
if we were to take the Big Bang away before we could, ex- you know, before it, you know, blew up, the what would be here in its stead? And then at the same time, what was here before the Big Bang? I wonder these things. I asked a physicist recently. It was not a very good answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. But what would what would be yours? Um, well, I, I, you know, I still think the idea of life is quite magical, and I don't know what the difference is between you know, a living system and a recently non-living system is just that stuff isn't operating anymore. And so, you know, what is that spark that, that makes something alive? And I, 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 the time that I remember especially thinking about this was in undergrad, you do this ex- really simple experiment where you isolate DNA from a strawberry. And I, I did, I actually re- repeated it again a couple of weeks ago. And you can, just mash up strawberries, add some detergent to break open the cells, and then you kind of pour in this alcohol and the DNA rises to the top and you can kind of hold the DNA on a, on a stick and like look at it. And I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been like eating, living things all this time, even though it's so obvious, like we only consume living stuff except salt. And uh, I remember thinking, well, when I eat an apple, is the apple alive or is it not alive? Well, it's not growing, but it still has everything intact and like there's some processes in place and stuff. And I mean, I know, I, you know, it's probably not really alive, but it's not rotten or anything yet. And you know, like, what was the difference between this apple now and this apple like five minutes ago when it was picked or whatever? So it's, it's actually kind of a hard question to define, but I, I find it to just be a very compelling, interesting thing to think about. I think there was a, a really bad cheesy movie and may this may be a question about do you like bad cheesy movies but the um <laughs> they were like they were trying to find that gradient of life and death so they were like shocking people to kill them and then bring them back to life and uh-huh. i think it was called like afterlife or something it was very weird but i don't think i've seen it <laughs> yeah it wasn't very good it's probably, it's probably not worth your time. <laughs> so um for anyone out there looking i think like in, in health like they, there's like a gradient to like life and death as well it's not very like like black and white mm-hmm. like viruses for weirdly enough are are technically not a living organism right. i think but like they yeah. don't have all the characteristics which is very weird because they right. like could a could a planet do that like i wonder like the, the universe is a weird place so i just wonder like if a virus isn't alive like if there's, there's something like that out there that's doing something like a virus that lives like in the sun or something we're just never gonna we're not gonna find it anytime <laughs> soon but i wonder these things but it's good that you have a question like that as well. So if anyone out there has the answer to that or <laughs> an, an idea on how to think about it, tweet New Harvest. And you have your own Twitter too. The, um, yes. So just as a, a couple of last personal questions, if you don't mind. But, um, sure. Do you, uh, do you have a favorite book? Like I, I read a lot of fantasy and nonfiction, um, but do you have like your own favorites? Um, I read... I've been tending to read a lot of New Yorker articles recently, but the last, the last book that I read that I told everybody about was The Three-Body Problem, um, which is an awesome piece of science fiction um, written by a Chinese author whose name I won't be able to pronounce properly, but it's C-I-X-I-N Liu. And the, the book is cool because it has such a different cultural perspective about science fiction and the idea of there being um, aliens or others outer in outer space. 
and they talk about these aliens invading like in 400 years and how earth knows that it's happening in 400 years and is kind of planning generationally for this visit and so i find that's to be kind of so different from our normal narratives around science fiction which are very much in our lifetime and i i think a lot too about how to solve problems that span many lifetimes and so i i just remember being incredibly impressed by how novel this novel was in terms of a science fiction perspective that wasn't kind of your classic classic stuff that you're you know we're all familiar with where something invades and then we prepare and fight them you know or we go and explore a new planet like that i think that comes from a very kind of familiar idea of kind of colonizing other mm -hmm. countries or under or other continents um but this one just felt so radically different than that so that's my big recommendation the three body problem Excellent. I'm going to check that out. Right now I'm reading, I'm reading a book about Lyndon B. Johnson and his oh, years cool. in the Senate, and then another book on... Uh, I, did you, I just read an article about LBJ. What was it uh, about? It was, it was written, what's, who is the book's author, Robert Carroll? Yeah. Yeah, it was, he wrote an article about him investigating LBJ. It's a little bit meta to what you're reading, but it was an incredible article about what it's like to do long-term research and like really dig into a person's life and like how someone came to be. So that's really cool. I'm going to ask you about that later. Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I like, like the guy wrote a four tome thing, which is fantastic. I'm on the one that's like him in the Senate, which is where he did a lot of really interesting work, but cool. like he's going to write a fifth, not like a fifth one. It's taken him 20 years. He's not even done with it. Yeah, and he's like 83 now or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I want him to finish. Like, I, <laughs> I generally think it's going to be amazing. But yeah, we, uh, that's a, it is, it's really good. And it talks about the Senate, and it makes the Senate sound exciting. Which, yeah. as someone who like deals with the government, the USDA and stuff, like maybe that would be like a fun read. I, I really should read it because the story about the story was so cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm definitely going to have to look up that story and then put it in the show notes. The story about the story. All right. Uh, do you do you are you, are you a fan of movies or do you, are you so busy you don't get to watch movies? No, I'm not so busy. I I do like watching movies, but I'm really bad at remembering them. <laughs> For some reason, I have very bad movie memory. I mm. don't know what that's about. That's all good. But as long as you enjoy the experience, and I guess you're if you're seeing it with people, then it's for the social value of it. Yeah, wow. I suppose so. so but I, if you I, asked me what was my favorite most recent movie I watched, I wouldn't remember. Hmm. <laughs> right. Well, then I can't recommend any uh, movies to you. Though <laughs> I've been recommending everyone watch What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams in it and cool. The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. So if anyone watches them, please let me know your thoughts. And I apologize in advance for making you cry because it's, <laughs> it's pretty intense. All right, then those were the last bit of my questions that I had. I want to just remind everyone to check out New Harvest Twitter, uh, your Twitter, which all these things will be in the show notes that we talked about today. Oh, cool. no, wait, we almost forgot uh, fellowships. We want to talk about fellowships and how like you have so many fellowships that you need people to apply for because they're amazing. <laughs> yes. So this should be a good continuation from uh, Kate's uh, Learning with Lowell podcast where Kate has been doing an incredible job like refining the fellowship program and really making it into an actual fellowship program instead of a fellow idea of a fellowship program. And so right now you know more than ever there's a application process in place we're looking for new fellows 
we want to onboard more researchers into the New Harvest research family. So I would invite you to visit the grants page on the New Harvest website and uh, reach out if you have any questions because we're, we're looking to build the field at the researcher level and we'd, we'd really love for researchers to get more involved. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And remember, the, the, it'll be in the show notes if anyone's like just listening in, you can just lazily forget anything she specifically said and just be like, it'll be in the show notes and it'll be labeled <laughs> effectively. All right. Yes. So and, and one more thing, um, since we're talking about ways to get involved, you know, if you just want to learn more about cellular agriculture, meet some people in the field, we're having our conference July 19th and 20th at the MIT Media Lab in Cambridge, Mass. So, you know, you can easily find out about the conference on the New Harvest website. It's a really great get together of people who want to get involved in the field, everyone from students to researchers to entrepreneurs to investors. Um, we have some great programming that covers everything from the science to kind of conversations about the science to careers, et cetera. And we also have some uh, really great exhibitions where researchers are sharing their work and prototypes and so on. So mm -hmm. I would uh, invite you to come to the New Harvest Conference, July 19th and 20th. Please do. Last year I was invited and I could not go. And I am still like, we're like six months beyond the point. I'm still beating myself about, up about it. Like everyone who is awesome that I know has been telling me, lol, you missed out. Like it was so much fun. Like they learned like a lot of stuff. If, oh, you just awesome. like, if you just want like a taste of how great it is, check out their YouTube channel. I think you guys put up some of the, the presentations and that's just the presentations. Like that's like, like you being down, like people giving you information, like <laughs> break apart and talk a lot, which is great. So yeah. check that yes. out as well. And I'm glad you remembered because I definitely forgot to say that. Yes, um, and you should definitely come this year. So consider this your official invitation to come. Sweet, I will. And it's on the record, so you can't take it back. And that was Isha at New Harvest, amongst other places, as I said in the beginning. Remember to check out newharvest.org to see their new content. Donate. The newsletter is pretty awesome. I donated, so I can tell you that. And follow them on Twitter. They let some of their people tweet just kind of like what ginkgo bioworks does which we talked about as well other than that just show your support like this is a burgeoning field so you can actually be a part of it and everything you do really adds up to a, a huge impact other than that i want to inform people before we go that there is a new way to show support for the podcast and to keep it advertisement free from now until forever which is called patreon if you go to patreon and look for learning with lol you'll see this podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave a review we can be found on twitter at lol this year facebook and on the website learningwithlol.com also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every monday new episodes every tuesday and new blog posts around every thursday remember to share and tell your friends please and thank you